0: 4.5 stars, 259 reviews, QuickBooks apps. 4.8 stars, 863 reviews, Shopify app store. 5 stars, 456 reviews, BigCommerce app store. Finally, we have a real undo option. The solution is a game changer for anyone doing bookkeeping on the cloud. Jeannie Whitehouse, CPA, and international keynote speaker. Knowing that any unwanted changes or transactions can be rewound back in time is a lifesaver. Kelly Parks, Calm Waters Cloud Accounting. Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, Rewind, later in the episode.
1: My former employer, Flowcast, raised $110 million this year at a unicorn over a billion dollar valuation. I'm very happy about that, given that I own stock in Flowcast. <laughs> I am no longer work there. I'm not sure how I would feel if I did, if I was on the marketing team right now over at Flowcast, because do you want to know what they did with a good chunk of that $110 million that they raised? Today is Sunday, December 19th. This is the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. Merry Christmas, David. I've already gotten my gift.
0: Merry Christmas to you and happy holidays. You received your gift. I've received my gift. Gotten, yeah. This is not an English podcast, so, <laughs> so don't get me on this. What did you get? My interns worked
1: on Friday for four hours. You were telling me you hired some interns. Yep. For... So they're uh, accounting majors. They
0: interned at BDO last summer, over the summer. I think they're juniors. Maybe they're going to be seniors. Don't d- don't you should, probably, that.
1: you should probably know this. The math stuff, right?
0: Like literally, they've never seen QuickBooks. They've never used apps. And I had them within four hours. They were using auto-entry, using Receipt Bank, using Relay, and using QuickBooks online. And one other app they had them using. I'm all caught up. There's nothing sitting around in auto-entry or um, Receipt Bank anymore. And all my virtual cards from Divi have been frozen and then recreated inside of Relay. Like they went in with no training in four hours. They knocked all that stuff out. It's so awesome. Wow. I'm impressed. So now the next step is to now start reconciling because I still can't get the bank statements from either PNC or Divi into QuickBooks or not bank statements, but my bank feed. So now we have to go get the bank statements and take those next steps. But this goes back to like talking about like practical knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. They've never seen QuickBooks. Like I probably taught them three years of education in a four hour afternoon. Well, my question is, what was their reaction to all this? I think they fundamentally get it that you don't want to have to type stuff in. To the accounting system. I don't know if they fully digested it completely yet. But the great thing is like, this is what's sad, right? These students are coming out as accounting majors. They're super bright. They picked up on it instantly. Could navigate, jump around the apps. You know, they have the technical mm-hmm. chops to do this. And they probably
1: aren't going to get that when they go
0: to work for a big firm or something.
1: No, no. They'll uh, spend six months auditing cash. I
0: don't know. That's what I told them. Like, You're just going to get real world experience from this. Like real deal, <laughs> real stuff. And, and and I'm probably the typical like small business owner. They're asking yeah, me, "What's yeah. this transaction?" And like, why did you use this credit card just as one random time? And why did this receipt six times? I don't know. I forwarded the internet. I bought it on an airplane email like ten times. Apparently, I, I kept getting the
1: email. And I kept forwarding it. I, I feel good about the holidays because uh, I did all my Christmas shopping yesterday on Saturday. Got it all done in one day. It was it was in person, a miracle.
0: Online? Did you do the? Uh,
1: we drove around in person. We did some online didn't have the kid for the day, so we're able to get an amazing amount of work done. Santa is all ready, you know, the the stockings are going to be stuffed, and I feel like I can actually relax. Oh, and the big thing is, the Earmark app has been submitted to both Google Play and Apple App Store. It's it's in review. All right, so and, that's the next, <laughs> the next step of this process. Well, and hopefully by the time our listeners hear this episode, at least one, if not both of those apps will be live in the app stores, in their respective app stores. So do they review it early on in the process when you're just in the beta still? Or not is this like you, sub- you wait
0: till now and now it's starting the review from scratch?
1: When you submit is when they review, but they're pretty quick about it. It's within a day, 48 hours with Apple. They'll tell me if there's anything wrong with the app and then I'll go back and we'll make changes, but hopefully... Uh, Hopefully they don't find if any it's issues. a rapid turnaround,
0: yeah, depends on yeah. like who you used to help you build the app. If they were familiar with that
1: process, yes, that that probably would help, right? Of course, I'm not.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, there's so. a bunch of people that are not going to have a good Christmas.
1: If What's you're a
0: company or an employee of a company that uses the Kronos HR oh, gosh. systems,
1: yes, I heard about this. The ransomware attack, another big ransomware attack, hit Kronos. It's it's not called Kronos anymore because they merged with Ultimate Software. It's now Ultimate Kronos Group. They provide HR and payroll solutions to large employers. What do you and know I about d- this?
0: So, hack? kind of working a, a little bit backwards. Apparently, there's some open source code out there that lots of companies use to run server-based stuff. And Somebody discovered an exploit in it. And like, this is one of the worst exploits somebody's ever discovered. Everybody's being attacked. And they went really hard at Kronos. And so Kronos, if you're familiar with it, is like timesheet, HR, payroll, software stuff. You know, they didn't communicate well. They basically have told their customers to implement their, what do they call it? What's the word they actually used here?
1: Oh, it was like contingency, business continuity protocols. Yes. yes. Yeah. Even though they didn't have any themselves. Um, This is probably the quote you were looking for. This is the one that stuck out to me. Quote, given that it may take up to several weeks to restore system availability, we strongly recommend that you evaluate and implement alternative business continuity protocols related to the effective, affected UKG solutions. That's what they basically told their customers.
0: In the comment threads on their blog post, you know, people are on fire about that type of a comment. It's the point where the vice president's coming in and replying to people personally in the threads. Now, on their own,
1: on their own website.
0: Yeah, and so what it is apparently, it's this thing called Kronos Private Cloud.
1: I'm like, yes. Okay, that, what is this?
0: So I start working backwards and they actually go to the website for us. Kronos Private Cloud. They refer to it as KPC Security. Kronos offers a hosting environment built upon a secure infrastructure which undergoes examinations from independent auditor in accordance with AICPAs, and then has all the SOC compliance. Mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah SOC 2, blah. probably. SOC yeah. 2, SOC 3, and privacy, and all these types of things. It's located in a third-party data center, blah, blah, blah. But here we go again, right? It's hosting. You outsource your tech, your IT,
1: on these host environments, and they fail again. It's because hosting is not true cloud. It's fundamentally insecure. That's what this was. It was and it was a shared environment, or it was an environment where maybe you had your own server, but obviously the hackers were able to get into the whole system and block it all down with ransomware but yeah it's it's not it's not true SaaS. my
0: understanding is on the like chronos is like a physical machine for clocking in and out you could have on prem but it, yeah, talk, it connects to it, it that. phones home and so you you're seeing it people that are like i'm shutting down all ports like i won't even let your devices call out anymore and then you can't even use these devices without it phoning home it's it's super messy and shame on them because this has been going on now for Everybody in these hosted environments getting ransomware.
1: And what a terrible time of year for this to happen for payroll and timekeeping because it's it, they became aware of it on December 11th. They're saying that it's not going to be fixed before the end of the year. This is when HR departments are scrambling to close out the year so they can issue the year-end forms. But well, you're informed, ta- but not only that, like paychecks, the week of Christmas. Yeah. How about, how about that, <laughs> yeah. right? And
0: you know, a lot of people do Christmas bonuses, those types of things. Like, yeah, it. yeah. It is not a good situation. I think companies are just having to manually calculate payroll and cut paper checks, assuming they even have paper checks to write payroll with.
1: I, I don't know how they're doing it. Affected companies mentioned in CFO.com are City of Cleveland, Tesla, Temple University, Clemson University the UK supermarket chain, Stainsbury's, and the New York Metropolitan Transportation Authority. And apparently UKG told the city of Cleveland that the ransomware attack may have also compromised employee information like names, addresses, social security numbers, and employee IDs. So that creates a huge risk now for those clients.
0: As of right now, they've shut everything down, but there's no sign they've gotten things back online or the backups corrupted. Know, and I'm just kind of shaking my head. Like, here we go again.
1: And I just want to be very clear about what I mean when I say this is, and what we mean, you and me, David, when we say private cloud versus true SaaS. This is their desktop software that has been hosted on remote servers that are managed by UKG, Kronos, or some subsidiary or third party that they've contracted with. It's really essentially not that different than if you hosted it in your own office. It's just you're giving that job to somebody else. Well, and the reason
0: you're giving the job to somebody else is because you're sold the bill of promises that they're going to make it more secure. And I don't think you're any more secure or less secure by having it up there. Because I think actually you're probably less secure because if you had it in-house and that server was back there and you looked at it every day, you'd be like, I probably should set myself up with a backup plan or just (laughs) a secondary, what is this, alternative contingency plan. But if you don't have it, you're just assuming it's all being handled for you. Yeah. I mean, that's what you're paying for. Yeah.
1: You're paying and that, for the that's the problem I security. have with all
0: this. this. This keeps happening, and you're paying. This is the only thing you're paying for
1: is their security of this to maintain the security of this server. Well, that's what. No, that's why you're outsourcing this and the convenience, right, of not having to maintain it yourself and all that. But the the security is the weak point there. I think. Hopefully, they can get this fixed. They'll probably just end up paying the ransom, right? Which is what most companies do. <laughs> they just pay the ransom and then they hope they get the data back.
0: Yeah, it's just as a ransomware incident. Obviously, they're not clear on it. They'll probably have to pay because – but this is going for – these are pretty big businesses. People are not going
1: to – It's going to create a big year in – like you said, the, the Christmas checks, right? The the bonus checks. Like, what's going to happen? Is Christmas canceled for these people?
0: This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Tally4. Tally4 is the tax flow tool empowering CPA firms to automate the tax trial balance, allowing them to save hours on each return by flowing the data from the books to the trial balance to the tax forms in three easy steps. Import, adjust, and file. Import. Tally4 can connect to Azero, both QuickBooks Online and Desktop, Sage Intact, or Excel to pull the trial balance automatically. Adjust. Your accounting and tax teams can collaborate to make all the necessary tax-based adjustments to the trial balance. You can even distribute and assign the work accordingly. File. Once the tax trial balance is completed and approved, Tally 4 can automatically send the trial balance data to any of the leading tax software apps that you may be using, including UltraTax, Lacert, Drake, CCH Access, Engagement, and Pro FX. Tally4's import adjust and file process will help you reduce the time it takes to create a tax return from multiple hours to just minutes. To learn more about using Tally4 in your CPA firm, head over to promo slash tally for that is promo forward slash
1: T-A-L-L-Y-F-O-R. Let's continue on this trend then of the uh, negative news or the the news that might cancel Christmas and then we'll get into the positive stuff right we'll have okay. our warm uh fireside present opening so first we're gonna we're gonna go like through this Scrooge kind of narrative well here's something that may upset folks uh, in the zero world or just users of Hubdoc Hubdoc is shutting down fetch they sent out an email back on December 1st that was forwarded to me by a listener thank you Eric It says, important update on fetching documents in HubDoc. Blah, 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 blah. Banks and suppliers are increasingly restricting what the fetch functionality can do. This means that fetch connections don't always work. I was going to say, shutting down, that implies like it's been working
0: amazingly for the last
1: four years. And I should probably explain what I mean by fetch. Fetch is when HubDoc or similar apps log into your bank account and grab bank statements and other documents such as check images and pull them into the system so that they can be processed with all your other invoices and receipts that you forwarded in. Yeah. Fetch is one of those things that, has anyone figured this out, David? No one has. I I think.
0: You're basically screen scraping the bank
1: websites to grab this data. And every time they change the screen, the UI, but now the banks are purposely blocking these things. Right. Um, Because the banks have built their own APIs now and are shutting down the insecure connections, which, you know, probably shouldn't exist, right? Screen scraping is so insecure. (laughs) But yeah, because of this, HubDoc has, uh, quote, because of this declining performance, we've made the difficult decision to close most fetch connections on April 27th, 2022. Come end of April, they are shutting down fetch. Direct connections with Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and Stripe will continue. And they do plan to build and introduce more direct connections to HubDoc to better meet expectations for accuracy and efficiency. But yeah, if you're using one of those hundreds of banks that does not have a direct connection through Zero's APIs and HubDoc's APIs, you're not going to have it. All the documents that have been previously fetched will remain in HubDoc. So really, it's basically turning HubDoc into processing via upload or email. That's what it will allow you to do.
0: Yeah, and I think auto-entry down went down this path. They, they partnered with somebody to do fetch, and they wind up pulling back on it. It's so unreliable that you're better off just telling people, down, do manually yeah. down your statements, upload your statements, let us either hub. Receipt, Bank, auto-entry, scan them, and then give you good results versus the, giving you the impression it may work. Because it's actually a, a worse experience when it doesn't download
1: them. So, so one of our sponsors has a solution that could help. If, if you have heard Client Hub advertising on our show, they have a, a feature where you can task clients every month automatically, create a task for them to give you the bank statement. While kind of annoying to have to do that rather than just be able to go at your go get it yourself, that's a helpful thing. So, so I basically wish the you
0: banks would just email them. Then people could automate these things, right? Well, but they'll mail the, it in the mail, a physical copy in the mail, but they won't email you a PDF. If they just emailed PDFs out, you could... Forward those to right. apps like Receipt Bank. Like, there's so much you could do. If
1: the just... problem is, it would emails like a postcard, so it would be like sending a bank statement without an envelope. That yeah. doesn't work security wise. The other solution is use Relay. But yeah, you just you just get a real bank. Like get get a bank that cares about
0: cloud accounting, cares about accounts and bookkeepers. Exactly. That's why I'm just I'm done for 2022. I cannot fight with apps and crappy bank
1: feeds and all this stuff yeah. anymore. Well, you don't want to fight with banks and crappy apps. But there are two apps, two companies anyway, that want to fight. And thats HR Block and Square. And you predicted this, David, weeks ago. Episodes ago, yeah. Weeks ago, you said H&R Block is going to sue Square. Why did you say that? What is well, this story? H&R Block advertises as block a lot of times. Yes. Right? They, 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 it's kind of
0: their... as yeah, they, Higher they're, block. Their 60-year-old company. That's their, their edge, right? When they want to be cool... Going after the millennials, they just call themselves like Block. And so they have a tax product. Obviously, HR Block does. Remember, Square bought Credit Karma's tax product when Intuit acquired Credit Karma and they rebranded yes. it to Cash App Tax. It's a free tax product, competes yes. directly with HR Block's tax product. HR Block also has a banking services. They basically have their own neo bank just like everybody else does. And so there's that big overlap. Essentially, their argument is that Square's capitalizing on the goodwill and consumer trust cultivated by Block since 1955. Well, and you forgot the most important part, I think, which is that Square just rebranded to Block.
1: Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Sorry. That's the thing that... that <laughs> Jack Dorsey was splitting his time between Twitter and Square. Talk about an overachiever, right? To being CEO of two of these massive companies at once. He left Twitter to focus entirely on Square. And he really believes in blockchain technology and cryptocurrency. So that was the reason I take it for the, the rebrand. Now it's not Square, it's Block. And you're saying that because Square, now Block, has a tax prep product, that H&R Block is not going to stand for this. It's yeah, totally-
0: HR Block saying that they're already experiencing consumers that are confused. I don't know if that's true or not, but they're, they're stating that. And then, I don't want to say Square, Block- <laughs> you know, formerly known as Square, they had a Twitter post talking about the name actually represents neighborhood blocks. Like, so on your block, you're going to find sellers, you're going to p- find blockchain, you might find a block party of music. Really? And That's common, what and obstacles. Called? I don't even know what the hell the obstacles are, but they have that. So they're they're really trying to make Square be this like block be this like existential thing. Now, here's the funny thing: H and R Block I talked about they have their own digital bank account. So, they partnered to do that with a company called Meta Financial. Now, here's the really funny part oh, of no. <laughs> this. So, who just rebranded to Meta? Facebook. Facebook. So, Facebook had to pay Meta Financial. And so, Meta gave up all rights to their naming for 60 million bucks. That's a pretty good price. It's kind of funny that HR Block now is kind of in both ends of these <laughs> massive rebrands of these two massive tech companies. Now, here's the thing. This is going to settle. How much is H and R going to block going to get? If Meta Financial, who nobody even knew existed,
1: got sixty yeah. million from Facebook, they're going to get five hundred million, a billion dollars out of this deal. So H and R Block is a public company, right? What is their market cap? Okay, I just looked it up. Four point one nine billion. So they're not going to go quietly. Oh, <laughs> Jack could just buy them and be done. <laughs> Do I say they spent twenty nine billion cap? on twenty nine billion on Afterpay? They spend a lot of money, yeah. And, Four billion, and is nothing. Square now, Block, Block's market cap is seventy-seven billion. They should just buy HR Block. Wow. Then they could have they could have tax services for their crypto clients. There you go. All right, you heard and, it here and, first.
0: Like, actually, it makes a then, lot of sense. And then and then Block this is
1: all set up. Would own? They don't wave, so they don't a gl, right? Because H and R Block would get their wave. gl. They get their gl. I mean a, a bad one, but right. <laughs> they would get other
0: things in the block because, and these little city blocks. They keep imagining what's on every corner of these little city blocks. An H and R, your tech shop, yeah. exactly. This actually makes a lot of sense. And maybe so it'll happen. It'll, if if it happens, you heard it here first. Block will acquire HR block. I've heard it here first. Or or it's going to be a mm. massive settlement. But if their market cap's only four billion, there's got to be a point where like why would they settle?
1: Well, just we'll buy just buy have to leave that to our predictions. We've made one prediction for 2022, and we'll we'll follow up with that on our next episode, the year-end episode where we do our predictions. But I, I want to move on now to one of your favorite websites, David. This is a site that you have Is Now, used. are we still in the uh, bad news category, or are you moving? Well, I think it is, actually. Okay, okay. i still on um, bad news, too. So continue <laughs> Okay, on. good.
0: This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Rewind. As a listener of the Cloud Accounting Podcast, I'm sure you're familiar that Rewind has been successfully protecting thousands of small businesses, QuickBooks Online data from malicious attacks, buggy apps, bad data imports, and of course, ourselves. Human error, the number one reason people lose data. Backing up clients' data is a great idea for your clients. It protects them. But did you know that making backups of client data also helps protect your firm and lowers your fiduciary risk? Rewind makes restoring data easy too. You can restore an entire QuickBooks Online file or just one transaction. Rebind's copy feature can be used to copy essential data from one QuickBooks online company file to another. No more starting clients from scratch. You can essentially restore a backup with your preferred chart of accounts and other lists into a new QBO file. Say goodbye to making manual copies of client files and CVS imports. Rewind offers you one login to access all your clients, the ability to manage your team with permissions and controls, and offers around-the-clock support. To learn even more about Rewind and access a special offer just for listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash rewind. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash R-E-W-I-N-D. Rewind. Protect your data. Protect your business.
1: So payments.com. You've, you've you've found a lot of articles. You've sourced a lot of stories from there because you're in the payments world. What with your experience uh, working at Melio, Melio, they do a lot of payments stuff, fintech stuff. They did their own survey recently and they found, payments found, that just 30%, so less than a third of small and medium businesses have begun to automate their accounts payable processes to deploy instant payments compared to... of larger businesses, so almost twice as many large businesses, have adopted payment automation, instant payments. Only 30% of SMBs have done that. And I just thought that was an interesting data point. I mean, that's a big difference. I saw an article I read this weekend. that
0: I didn't bring it to the show because it felt a little inside baseball, but about how next day ACH isn't good enough. Small businesses are going to start demanding. They're used to this instant deposit stuff. And they really need the instant deposits. This is the next wave we're going to see with payments with small businesses. Is they, They'll adopt if they know they're going to get the money instantly. They can't have these three, four-day windows for ACH. Or even next day ACH isn't fast enough. They really want the instant money transfers. In the same way, if I pay you through Venmo, you can instant deposit it through your debit card. Yeah, that's what people are used to now. That's going to really push this next. That's the next wave. I read an article mm. kind of pushing that way. Something that got a lot of people upset this week was into it. Jan Roberg on Twitter, Roberg Tax R O B E R G T A X. She posted a letter from Intuit with the title of the letter: "We're hiring. Earn additional income working from your home or office." This letter was mailed to her employees at
1: her firm's address. <laughs> Let me get this straight: Intuit, this Intuit, which has had they've they've been in trouble in the past for marketing to the clients of pro advisors, Supposedly, if your client is linked to you as an accountant in QuickBooks, then Intuit has, has said, we're not gonna sell QuickBooks Live to your clients. That's like a commitment they made, but they have like failed to do that many, many times, right? For whatever reason, it just keeps happening. So now you're telling me that after all that, Intuit is mailing pitches or like offer letters or just advertisements to my employees at my firm's office? That's
0: what happened. So I'll read her her exact tweet. Hey, Intuit! Exclamation point. Thanks for sending job offer letters to my employees at my office's address. Seriously? If you want to poach my employees, at least use their home address. Yes, they're awesome, and you do not deserve them. And of course, this got everybody fired up on Twitter, and I actually tweeted on top of it because I was thinking about this a lot. Shame on Intuit for doing this, right? Yes. Totally shame on Intuit. But Intuit wouldn't have done this if they didn't test it first. They're a big, huge marketing company. They probably sent a hundred of these out once and got responses. And so that's why they did it again. And they did it massively. All these people on Twitter are like, I got them too. It's because they work. So really, in a way, like, do we shame the firm owners whose underappreciated, underpaid staff are jumping at
1: these <laughs> offers? I like, mean, it's just it's just come on. It's like can you imagine any other vendor, any other software developer sending out offer letters to our employees, our staff accountants at our offices in December, in November before tax season, trying to recruit them? Can I read some of this letter? I, I think the important part to read really is the benefits, those bullets, right? And I have to agree with you, David. Like if your staff are actually attracted to this, then that means that you've got a retention problem. <laughs> because, yep. because we know that actually that TurboTax Live does not pay very well. Like it's bottom of the market, uh, but it is flexible, right? So that's like the perk. The headline is we're hiring, right below the Intuit logo, we're hiring, earn additional income working from your home or office. Here at Intuit, we value your expertise as a tax professional and invite you to join Intuit's remote TurboTax live team. You can continue to work remotely from your home or office, your choice. <laughs> and like uh, Your office, the one your <laughs> other employer is paying for. We provide an easy way for you to reach more customers who are looking for your TurboTax Expertise. You can empower and educate customers, helping them to improve their financial success and gain confidence in their taxes. I think it's interesting that they're saying your TurboTax expertise, because like most professional tax people don't use TurboTax to do taxes. So, like, why would you have TurboTax expertise? Because they should just probably ta-
0: sent this to the people that are paying for the Pro Series TurboTax stuff
1: while working remotely you can earn an attractive hourly wage plus overtime during peak hours with a schedule that works best for you. And you can expand your skills with virtual training as you collaborate with fellow team members to solve tax challenges. And then it's got the interested, go here. You were going to talk about the benefits, David, right? Yeah. So they list the benefits in
0: this. And this is where I think if you're a firm owner, these are the things you need to compete on. So they talk about it's a a work schedule that's right for you. You get Intuit employee benefits. And that, to be honest, being a former two employee. It is the top of, nobody's probably even seen, especially if you just work for accounting and bookkeeping firms, you have not ever even imagined benefits like this before. It's, it's like it. the gold standard, you know, and then you get
1: virtual training and they you can work remotely, right? Create a work schedule that's right for you. That's not something that you hear a lot from accounting but, firms in busy season.
0: But I found a related article that kind of came through for me this week. So this is actually a post that's on, it's a website called E-Financial Careers. It's some sort of job posting website of some type. This is a post by Intuit on this site, and it talks about Intuit's culture of positivity and inclusion enables tax and bookkeeping experts to help small business and small business consumers in navigating stressful financial decisions. And if you really read this, they profile two or three TurboTax Live or QuickBooks Live uh, bookkeepers or accountants, and they profile them. And they're really talking about how, so this one, one person's name is Ku K-U, has worked remotely in her home in Los Angeles, she joined in 2013. Um, in May of 2020, she was after, offered a year-round position into it. What she loves about it is the flexibility to choose a schedule that accommodates her personal life. She works early mm-hmm. in the morning, her yep. to take care of her elderly parents later in the day. Right, And she it's, it's just so flexible, and I'm so grateful. Um, another person's talking about – like because these are the things people want. People yeah, want yeah. diversity, right? And it's talking about how they've consciously made an effort at Intuit to hire a diverse mix of cultures and backgrounds. And they also provide training on how to speak to other clients, regardless of their background, race, age, gender, sexual orientation. Um, They talk about how the values of being supportive. You can reach out to any of your colleagues, managers, experts, and you're going to get support in the business units. So if your firm's not doing these types of things, continue education, like they're helping them become enrolled agents. If you're not doing these things for your employees, of course, intuit's going to poach your employees. And it's not flexi- secret about it. I mean, there's this blog post here like says the values what the employees are valuing,
1: yeah. and and I think the flexibility, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in there. I think the flexibility is the is the winner because a lot of firms still, even though we've gone through this whole remote work thing are not offering flexibility in terms of hours. You may be able to work from home, but you still got to be on the clock. There was a Twitter thread. I'll take you to another Twitter thread, Dave oh, before you
0: jump to that one, let me let me summarize this last powerful sentence they have in this. So, a career at Intuit is for those who want to help other people and leave clients feeling positive and valued. And this approach is twofold. What works for the clients is clearly also working for Intuit tax and bookkeeping experts. That's an amazing pitch line. Right? It's good messaging. It's good. It, yeah. To, to summarize it, that's simply like, why would you want to yeah. work for my firm? You're going to be able to leave clients feeling positive and valued, and you're going to feel the same way. Yeah. You're going to make a difference. message. Yeah. Yep.
1: It's good. It's good. I think- okay, So you had a Twitter a lot- thread. Well, yeah, it was related to the flexibility. So not so much the messaging, but just more like the practical thing about working for a firm. One of the things that sucks is the busy season schedule. And Brian Wolf, CPA, asked back on December 1st on Twitter, he said, hey, hashtag tax Twitter, do your firms have a no vacation time off policy during tax season, February 1st through April 15th, question mark. And he got quite a few responses, ranging from Josh Lance saying, we allow vacation time during tax season, as long as it's planned for, we can manage capacity and expectations. Most everyone on our tax season will, I think he meant team, will take some vacation time during tax season. So there's one approach, right? It was just as long as you plan for it, you can do it. And then there's people that are like, absolutely not, (laughs) you know, never. Are you kidding? What's going to happen to those employees if they work for
0: that firm and they get a letter from Intuit?
1: So those, to me, those are the kind of employees who would say, whatever, I'll I'll take the pay cut. I'll go work for Intuit because I get the ultimate flexibility of being able to set my own hours.
0: My understanding is Intuit lets them do the stock purchase plan. So you get to buy Intuit stock at 15% below market. Oh, that's really good. At the beginning of a six, usually it's a three month or six month window. So whatever the price is on like, whatever, June 1st, you get to buy it at that price. 15% 15% below that price as it goes up. So like, even that is a hard thing to compete with. If that's the only thing they offer, the way into its stock spin.
1: This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Client Hub. Do you struggle to get answers from clients? Is it a chore reminding your clients to send over the information you need to do your job? Introducing Client Hub an award-winning practice management solution for accountants looking to build better client relationships for a more profitable firm. Client Hub's all-in-one solution combines task management with client communication in one place, meaning you get what you need from clients to unblock workflow and get jobs completed on time. Your clients will love the easy-to-use Client Hub web portal and mobile app. Your team will love Client Hub's automated task management, each month, ClientHub tasks your clients with whatever you need from them. You can even automatically ask your clients about uncategorized QuickBooks transactions. With ClientHub, tasks and messages are in one place, keeping your staff and clients always in the loop. Nothing falls through the cracks. ClientHub currently has an amazing offer just for our listeners 25% off your first three months by using promo code CAP25 head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash clienthub. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash C-L-I-E-N-T-H-U-B. We get to pivot our show, David, now that we're at about the halfway point, to redemption. What is positive this week? I know I have something that's, I mean... Well, okay. This is just hilarious. And... It's going to either be amazing or it's going to be a laughingstock. My former employer, Flowcast, raised $110 million this year at a unicorn over a billion dollar valuation. I'm very happy about that, given that I own stock in Flowcast. (laughs) I'm no longer work there. I'm not sure how I would feel if I did, if I was on the marketing team right now over at Flowcast, because do you want to know what they did? With a good chunk of that $110 million that they raised?
0: They finished that bank uh, reconcile tool. They built um, some new way to manage your client relationship. or The monthly close, they did something to improve the monthly
1: close. I'm just throwing some, you know,
0: like a, a tech start. you would know, got a feature. Yeah, hire a product yeah, manager,
1: some no. engineers. Good guesses. I don't know if that's happened or will happen, but uh, what did happen is that Flowcast created a subsidiary called Flowcast Studios Yes, Flowcast is located in Los Angeles. They have opened their own entertainment studio and they are producing, they have already produced a web series, a six episode web series called <laughs> PBC to be released in January. And the best way I can describe it from the trailer is that it is a, uh, it's, it's as if the office was just a bunch of accountants. They clearly use the Flowcast headquarters where I used to work as the (laughs) setting for this during the lockdowns, I think. Yeah, it was- And not only is it like The Office, they
0: have two people from The Office in it, which is kind of, I don't know.
1: Yeah, Kate Kate Flannery and Creed Bratton from The Office are regulars, apparently. Well, I don't know if they're regulars because they're not in the the picture, but they're in this show. So, they got them. They got Danny Trejo. My feeling on this is it's either going to be amazing- if it's funny, it's going to be amazing because everyone's always said, why aren't there any shows about accountants, right? There's no shows about accountants. We've got doctors, we've got lawyers, all the professions, police what, there's, and firemen. There's no shows about plumbers. There's no shows about construction <laughs> people. Plumbers? It's the Super thing. Mario Brothers,
0: David. <laughs> they have their own movie, but there's no but it accountants. Wasn't about the, it wasn't about, but that wasn't about their
1: construction work or their plumbing work. Well, none of these shows are about the actual work. Like, Do you that's think like, any true. of these medical shows are about the medicine? <laughs> no. That's true. It's about the drama, the interpersonal drama. The studio is headed by entertainment industry executive Josh Sims and digital creator Drew Carrick, best known for his rapping CPA persona, who will be brainstorming and advising on creative content. Something to look forward to. It releases, I believe it's January 13th when it starts streaming. You can look for that on YouTube. They filmed it over 10 days in LA. I really want to know how much they spent on this, David.
0: The article in Accounting Today has a quote at the end by uh, Carrick, and it says, next year, if it's popular, maybe we pitch to Netflix. Like, this feels like the most LA thing, right? You know, in LA, every waiter and waitress is an actor or actress. Is Flowcast just a front? Because, like, the people, everybody at Flowcast, founders, et cetera, they really want to be in the movie industry. And, like, Flowcast Uh, was just an ends to a mean to get into the movie industry.
1: Well, you know, Mike Whitmire, CEO, founder at Flowcast, he's an accountant. He used to work at, uh, he worked for one of the big four in uh, audit, auditing companies in like Santa Monica. He's from LA. This was one of those things that he would just like toss out during brainstorm meetings is like, a, you know, a funny idea, but like he actually did it. You know, I can't believe it actually happened. Like this Well, was...
0: they set it up
1: as a subsidiary, right? Like this is like a Dave Barrett Expensify move, you know what I mean? Well, <laughs> like, and maybe <laughs> Expensify should buy Flowcast. It would be perfect. they would be a great cultural fit. Because you know what did what did Expensify go do recently? A few years ago, they they went and spent what probably was their entire marketing budget for the year on a Super Bowl ad that featured uh, two chains wrapping. I wonder what kind of return that delivered. Probably nothing, right? Otherwise, we would have heard more about it. That's what I wonder about. This is this actually going to after spending millions of dollars? It has to be millions of dollars on this. Is it going to deliver <laughs> a meaningful return on investment? Given speaking that- of
0: Expensify. I don't have a news article, but I did get a text, a photograph, a cell phone photograph of a deck from the Expensify investor presentation. Oh. And basically, it has the roadmap from back Mm. in the day, you know, how they added travel and invoicing and bills and card. And now they're working on payroll and expenses. Is this an old deck? I just got the screenshot this week. And the thing that's still grayed out that they haven't started yet is accounting.
1: Oh. Yeah, that's inevitable, I think. I mean, given how ambitious- They build out the super app.
0: We've talked about super apps before.
1: Yeah, given how ambitious uh, Barrett is, he wants to turn accounting into a conversation. I'll just chat Maybe he should
0: try to, maybe he should make a play at HR Block. If you're building one of these super apps, maybe you should buy HR Block. This could be a very valuable property all of a sudden.
1: That's right. Well, I got another story about Expensify since we're on the topic. This headline is from cbsnews.com. At tech company Expensify, workers vote on each other's pay raises. So we've all known that Expensify is a very non-traditional company. There's only 140 people who work there. And that's one of the I things that's knew amazing. I this, but this is
0: like an, an article. It's like out in the public.
1: Yeah. I don't know how it came about, if they pitched it to the press or if it leaked and then they decided to go with it. Who knows? But it's a really deep dive and they got a bunch of people to talk about it. Like Barrett's quoted. Here's how it works. If you work at Expensify, here's how you get paid. Negotiating for pay is banned. You cannot negotiate your pay at Expensify. When you get hired, it is set based on their internal metrics, and you either accept it or you don't. That's the first thing. Then you start working there. How does the comp review process work? At most companies, it's one of those things where it happens annually, you negotiate, maybe you go get an offer. And you use that to as leverage, you know, all that traditional kind of stuff, right? Well, there's none of that at Expensify. Every six months, every employee at Expensify gets the choice, it's voluntary, to vote on compensation. So your compensation is set by your fellow employees. This includes, apparently, David Barrett. It's voluntary. And, and what you do is, if you're an employee, every six months, you log into some sort of app and... You vote. And the way that you vote is that you see two cards on the screen side by side, an employee name and their accomplishments for the last six months, next to employee number two and their accomplishments for the last six months. And you're asked the question, who do you think should be paid more? And then you have to click names. It just doesn't show the
0: accomplishments.
1: No, it shows the names too. And you have to click on which one you think should be paid more. And you keep doing this until you have voted on every possible match, which means there's as many as 9,000 pairs that you have to vote on. So this process can take 10 hours per employee to go through this. 9,000 votes, right? So you sit there and you go through this for 10 hours. The quote about this from the uh, head of marketing is incredible, Gabby Horowitz. She says, quote, there definitely have been weekends when I spent my whole weekend doing comp review. It feels really important. It's a way we can all acknowledge and reward each other for our hard work, end quote. I got our exit. We're
0: going to make a show of what it's like to work at Expensify. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would be a good show. That would be a really good show. They'd probably be in on it, right? They'd probably be happy to use the they brand. They
0: spin up their venture. Their, uh, oh, my their, God. Their...
1: Flowcast Studios could make the show. Um, we'll produce it. I, first of all, I think it's funny that it takes 10 hours to do this because that just seems like insane that you're going to have 140 employees spend 10 hours every six months. So they're spending basically, and that's 10 hours. But if you ever participate in the right? review process at a company,
0: it's 10 to 20 hours of that week when they, that stuff goes on. I
1: guess I hate that stuff so much. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I, don't know, it. I can never do it. That's why I can never work for a big company. So they trim out, I'll continue on this flow. Okay. Right. So you, you do all that and it's voluntary. So not everybody does it which is interesting to me because I feel like if, if not everybody does it, then how good is it going to be? But anyway, at least the people who care about it do it. Then they, they trim out the outlying top and bottom scores. And then all the workers are ranked on a scale from one to 140, which is their headcount. So you're ranked in order based on that vote. If you land at the top of the scale, you get the biggest pay hikes. Those at the bottom may see small or no raise. No one's pay is ever cut. And that's how they set it. It's kind of crazy, but I also kinda like it. I see some problems with it, but you know, this is this is what sets Expensify apart. Expensify also has no dedicated managers. That's another interesting thing that I'm curious to see how that works in practice. Including Gather. the street, the way the structure is. Other than
0: <laughs> yeah. producing some financials, they really don't have to report to the street either.
1: Yeah, they don't because the way it's set up. There's no accountability to the street because of the way the the voting shares are set up. Barrett and two of his key people have all the control. To cite the success of this, Barrett says that the average tenure at Expensify is four years compared with some bigger tech companies who see workers leave after about two years. That's a sign that is more successful. At the same time, I feel like four years is kind of short still, you know, like if this was really successful, it would be more than that. I don't know. Maybe the people who leave after two years, right, most companies, it's because the only way to get a really big pay bump at most companies is to job hop, right? If you stick around, you're not getting the 20% or more pay bump. But with this method, if you're really performing and everybody in the company agrees, they can make the top of the scale, like the top performers get like big pay increases, right? I wonder what, where Barrett is on the uh, ranking. Well, if there's
0: no managers, right? There's just more money for all the employees.
1: and That's probably the best thing about this actually, I, I David. will go back in time.
0: I will go back in time. This is 15 years ago. People talk, right? People talk about these processes. And I know a manager who was told by another manager, because that's how these things work, right? There's a pool of money every year of a budget. And if you give some of that budget to your employees, that's less budget for you.
1: Yeah, less for your bonus.
0: Not when it comes to raises and things like this. So maybe Dave's onto something here. So
1: that thing there, there, like in parentheses in this article, Expensify has no dedicated managers. I want them to drill into that more. I want to know how does the company work like that? Because I've heard of other companies like this. There was one other. I can't remember the name. They've been doing it for a long time. Very famous. I think it's the company that created like Gore-Tex. I could be totally wrong about this, but I think they are also a small company like Expensify that had no direct managers or no dedicated managers. I could be wrong. There are some other ones that have done this. The
0: Cloud Accounting Podcast.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no direct managers. Uh, Should we jump into app news or think we're? I mean, we're already, we've been in it for the whole show, right? <laughs> yeah, to some extent. <laughs> Let's play the music.
0: I have some app news from Down Under. So there's an app down under called Divi Pay, DiviPay, D I V I P A Y, not to be confused with Divi, D I V V Y, which is owned by Bill.com. The reason it's really confusing because they basically do what Divi does. It's spend management, and now they're uh, looking to build out their product offering, but they just took $20 million, and they want to build out. They wanted to get into bill payments and come to the US market and grow. Now, that's going to be interesting because how do two companies with the same product have that close of names? Well, I guess we'll we'll find out when they get here. But what's interesting about this raise is one of the people that invested was practice Ignition's Guy Pearson. Oh, tell me more. Like why, like, like, why? he invested. Um, oh, he invested. Got he it. invested. Yes. Oh. Uh, but he's also, you know, he's made a couple other, I think he invested in HubDoc originally. Mm-hmm. He, he had a little uh, piece of that. So he's really like such a success story, right? Because yeah. he had his own firm, started his firm from scratch, basically, created Practice Ignition, and he's really been able to utilize some of the money he's made. And he's just been smart and making good decisions and mm-hmm. in investing in companies along the way. So Fluidly, which is – so this is the UK. So Fluidly was like a cash flow forecasting tool. Did you say Fluidly? Fluidly. They were a cash flow forecasting tool. They had about 1,300 UK accounting firms. Oak North, which is a bank, purchased 100% of the company. Hmm. So again, these banks on these marches, right, to own the apps. A firm – so a firm's another one of those uh, buy now, pay later companies – and they spun out a secondary company called Resolve, which is going to specialize in doing buy now, pay later for B2B. And they just raised $25 million because they want to offer uh, loans and capital and they want to get into bill pay. So, something to watch uh, coming in on the market. That's and a then,
1: huge opportunity is buy now, pay later for B2B.
0: Yeah. Except for I have some thoughts on that in another episode when we talk about predictions on that. Okay. Um, okay. So, uh, Built Technologies. So, Built is a construction software for big, huge commercial construction projects because, you know, that money has to kind of go in an escrow and there's lien waivers and all that type of stuff. Then it trickles down all the way down to the subcontractors. They announced that they're going to have built-in bill pay and it's actually, it turns out, it's powered by Emilio. Oh, so, congratulations. So, they're going to offer uh, Built. It's, it's free. It's part of their product. It's basically the... The Emilio offering built into this app called Built Technologies. Nice. Airtable. So, we've talked about Airtable and no code. Airtable just took another round at a $735 million round, Series F. It takes their valuation up to $11 billion. Wow.
1: Where, they, they have, where do you uh, think they're going to go with that?
0: So, they have a lot of big companies, right? Because this whole world of no code, and I think you talked about it on the podcast two weeks ago about your know, companies are when you went on your rant about the IT department. Like, yeah, like, employees yeah. are self-coding. They're, they're just fixing problems themselves, automating mm-hmm. these things with tools like Airtable. And they're talking about how Netflix and Shopify use them in more than 300,000 companies. And they said a good portion of the Fortune 500. So, it's funny. Like, in our world, it's a lot of us small guys using it. But what's happening is these
1: big Fortune 500s, people are solving their own problems with Airtable. You could build a whole consulting business just on top of Airtable. Like, setting up apps. Somebody was even saying in this thread uh, about it. I don't know if you were on this thread on Twitter. They built an entire app on Airtable. Yeah, our, like that's our sponsor how, Bookkeep, who sponsored before.
0: He basically built it on Airtable first, the whole entire thing. I've seen it
1: as like the like the the test product, and then rebuilt it. Or is it all built? Yeah, still yeah. On Airtable? Because
0: basically, he he built that for his own. He owned some wine shops and restaurants, and so he kind of got was started to get into a restaurant bookkeeping a little bit. Yeah, and he was building as an internal tool, and then it spun out uh-huh. to, no, it's a standalone. But yeah, it was built on Airtable. I, I wouldn't be surprised if some parts are still running on Airtable, like like maybe because you can really you can do everything with it.
1: It's a great way to test out whether or not like the product will solve the problem. Right, build it in Airtable. Then if it works, go custom code it.
0: Well, you could, so let's say you want to on your website for your firm, you want to do like a three tiered pricing, like so dynamic. Dynamic.
1: Pricing well, calculator. Not even dynamic,
0: but like, you know, the gold, silver, bronze pricing plans, right? $200, $300, yeah. $500. Well, you could create a table with all the different features of each of those three, but then you can, because you can change views and there's no code, you can turn them into three cards and just embed the cards, with the button that says buy now, right? So you can do your planning work in a table, like a spreadsheet you're used to doing. Then when you're ready to put it on your website, you just change the view to a card view and embed the cards on your site and you're done.
1: That's great.
0: Okay, so, so it really cuts out extra work of code. Literally, there's no code.
1: We got a bunch of listener mail. I have four emails, but I don't think we have time to do them all justice. So I want to save those. Let's,
0: let's let's give gifts for Christmas. We, 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 let's do all four.
1: Can, all four are, right are, now? Are, are we going to
0: get into discussions on deep discussions? That's buttons. the thing is,
1: it's discussions. like, like Okay, we can I save got, this. Greg wants us to talk about how do we set boundaries with clients and how do we respond to clients? How quickly? Lauren has feedback on QuickBooks Desktop and QBO and why accountants are reluctant to make the switch. We've got feedback on the 150 hours requirement. I've got an email from Thad about the NASBA not NASBA not going to release the CPA exam data. So I, I don't want to just rush through them. We'll save them for next week. A teaser. And there's probably not going to be that much breaking news, right? So, we'll save that. So, we'll get to it, guys. The Just hold All on. Right. Uh, but we do have a review. I caught this, David. I've been watching to see if they came through. And as a reminder to our listeners, we haven't asked in a while, but the reviews make a really big difference to our ranking in the various podcast players. It helps us get surface to new listeners, people who've never heard of the Cloud Counting Podcast. So, if you want to do us a giant favor to close out the year, if you want to give us a present, go right a five-star review on uh, Apple you scroll down on your podcast player and you'll see the writer review. You can give us a rating, give us whatever you think we deserve, but uh, you know, hopefully you feel it's five stars. And you, if you're, if you're not an Apple person, you can go on, uh, what is the site? Podchaser. Podchaser. Go to podchaser.com, search for the cloud accounting podcast, give us a review. And uh, that really helps us out. This review came in this week. It is from Tycorn CPA great info and news for a CPA practice owner I have listened to every episode since starting my own practice in 2019 listen to every episode since 2019 man that is awesome I'm smiling you can't you can't hear it but <laughs> it, it's, when you, it's when you comprehend it, that for a second it's pretty impressive I mean that's like 200 plus episodes it helps me think through strategic issues like technology staffing and trends in the profession thanks to Blake and David for your diligence in bringing us quality podcast bringing us a quality podcast week in and week out. Uh, Thanks so much for that review. That makes it all worthwhile, honestly. And if our listeners want to follow you online, David, get in touch with you, where should they do that? I'm on all the socials at David Leary. And I am at Blake T. Oliver. Shoot me an email, Blake at BlakeOliver.com. Let me know your thoughts on these stories or anything we've discussed or what you think we should discuss. I highly encourage you, to send me a voice memo, optional of course, but voice memos we can play on the air. So that's always fun. Send me a voice memo and we'll take a listen. We'll likely play it. That's all I got this week, David. That's it. Short week and we'll see everybody
0: in a couple of days. Merry Christmas. Time for the classifieds. If you're looking to quickly grow a scalable, systematic seven figure accounting firm without having to work 50 plus hours per week, check out Ryan Lozanis' online coaching membership, Future Firm Accelerate. Sign around Ryan's experience taking his cloud firm from scratch to sale so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You'll get online learning and topics that help you automate and systemize all aspects of your firm. You'll get coaching when you need help with implementation. And you'll also join a collaborative community of hundreds of other forward-thinking firm owners. For more details, head over to
1: www.futurefirmaccelerate.com. Hey podcast listeners, it's Blake, and I wanted to let you know about a new show I'm working on with CPA slash comedian Greg Kite and blogger slash former CPA Caleb Newquist. It's called Oh My Fraud, and it's a podcast all about financial crimes. That's right, a true crime podcast for accountants by accountants. Caleb and Greg are going to come together every couple weeks to unpack their favorite frauds and explore the circumstances, psychology, and interpersonal dynamics involved. They also fully indulge in victim-blaming the defrauded widows, orphans, infirm, and feeble-minded because who can resist? If you fancy yourself a trusted advisor or prefer your true crime with spreadsheets instead of corpses, listen to this show to learn what to watch out for and to keep your clients, your firm, and even yourself safe. To subscribe, go to ohmyfraud.com or search Oh My Fraud on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.